What up, y'all? This is Adrian Young, and you are tuned into what? Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, I'm on the mic with the multi-talented producer, composer, Adrian Young. Uh, This dude has so many projects happening. It's crazy. If you watch Luke Cage, the the, uh, incredible Marvel show on Netflix, he did that music. He did the music for Black Dynamite. Um, he's a, a big collaborator with Ali Shaheed Muhammad, who we've also had on this show. They've got the Jazz is Dead series, um, including the newest release, I believe, featuring Roy Ayers, the jazz legend. Um, he, Adrian also has a degree in entertainment law, and we, we talk a little bit about you know, that background and, and how that's been important to his career. I mean, this dude is a study in focus. He's relentless about his vision. He has a really clear idea of what he's trying to create and, um, and a strong discipline and work ethic to get there. You can hear it in his music and you can definitely hear it in uh, the words he's about to say to you right now. Let's get into it. Yeah, man. Appreciate you making time for this. I love uh, I love oh, what you're doing and excited Thank to talk you. about it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I know, you know, we had Ali on the show a couple years ago. He sat up with me live on stage and uh, was generous with his stories. And so, you know, I'm excited to kind of continue Dope. and talk about that partnership and, and uh, what cool. you guys are up to and, and all that. So. Beautiful. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. Take take me back to the beginning. I mean, you, there's a lot here I want to talk about with everything you're doing now. Um, but uh, let's go back to where it started. Do you remember the first music you ever bought for yourself? Um, I mean, it's an interesting question, you know, because is it the, the first record that you want your parents to get you or the first <laughs> record that you bought with your own lunch money. Sure. You know? Sure. So, I mean, uh, but you know, growing up, you know, we all had those little portable record players with your little Sesame street and <laughs> Mickey mouse records and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, uh, in the house we had like run DMC to Michael Jackson to sugar Hill gang, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't really remember my first record, you know, okay. I've always been a fan of music. Yeah. And were, and were you playing? Uh, were you playing early on as a kid? That was that was. A so when, when I was in life? first grade, when when I was in first grade, I had piano lessons, but it's, it's, it wasn't anything I stuck with. Um, okay, I, I didn't really start playing instruments until um, I was about nineteen. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and so uh, how'd you get how'd you get introduced to to making music and start to become more serious about that? Uh, in high school, I mean, I've always, you know, I always had beats in my head, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you grew up beatboxing and doing all that stuff and I'd always make up music in my head. So I always felt as though I had an inclination to make music 
kind of an axiomatic thing, you know, when I look back. So I really got into making music high school because okay. my, 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 my close friend had an SP 1200 and then I was messing with it and I loved it. So around 96, I got an MPC 2000 and a Tascam A-Track recorder and I just started sampling and making beats at that time. So around 96 when I really, really got nice. into it. Nice. And so was there a moment when that became, you know, when you started to think of that as a career? Like, was that, was that the, I mean, it doesn't sound like that was the goal starting out. So well, I, my, my goal, my, my goal was always to grow up and be a politician and a lawyer. Um, well, no, let me rephrase. I always wanted to be, be do music, but I also wanted to be a politician and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went to, to school for political science and, you know, finished law school and did all that stuff. But um, at the same time, I was always really into music. And as you get older, you realize more and more what your calling is. And as much sure. as I loved uh, law and having the ability to make a change in the world, I really wanted to make a change in the world with music. And that's something I, I really found out in college. And that's when I wanted, that's when I started getting a lot more serious about it. I want to talk to you about Fiverr. Fiverr is maybe the perfect resource for somebody like me where, you know, everything I do, every, every project is a little bit different. I definitely have my go-to people that I like to work with over and over, but we're always looking for new skill sets, uh, new specialties. And it feels like in 2020, it's been that way for everybody, right? There's so much uncertainty. Um, businesses are scaling back. They're moving people to a project basis. And, you know, having the right talent, is is essential if you're going to succeed right now and that can be time consuming frustrating expensive especially when you get it wrong so fiverr is an online marketplace that connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services and pretty much anything you can think of graphic design copywriting websites film editing uh the list goes on and on we're using it right now we're launching a couple e-commerce initiatives which i will hopefully talk to you about soon uh, we're not going to go into that at the moment, but um, but we're we're using Fiverr to find the e-commerce specialists, the digital marketing folks that we need. It's a global network of on-demand freelance talent. So whether you're launching your first business or scaling your current business, if you just have a project that you need some extra support, it's easy, uh, it's fast. There's great reviews. Um, the customer service 24/7 is really helpful. And it's, it's an essential tool, I think, for running a business in 2020 and maybe even 2021. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order using my code REBELRADIO. Get all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code REBELRADIO. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code REBELRADIO. Um. Tell me about, so you have a law degree, entertainment law, right? Yeah. How is that? Uh, I mean, that, that seems like a smart thing to do if you're going to be in the music business, but obviously very yeah. few people do. Um, right, right. So tell me about why that's, why that's valuable today and, and you know, how, how, you, how you use that in your day-to-day in your -day well, life. Well, the most, the, 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 I always say one of the best things I ever did was go to law school uh, because it teaches you how to think differently. Mm. It, teaches you, it teaches you how to have a very sagacious, perspective, uh, very focused perspective on understanding problem solving, you know, 
you get to, to really break down the minutiae and understand what issues are and how to resolve issues. And it's so much work to, to get the degree and do all sure, that sure, stuff sure. that like, like once you apply that mentality to music, you know, nothing could stop you. So, so for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a self-taught musician, but also I write for orchestra and all that yeah. stuff. So I learned how to do that from reading books, you know, believing in the fact that if you pick up a book, you could teach yourself how to do anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, so a, a, a lot of that really came from law school. Yeah. You know, I had to pick up books and learn about contracts and do all that because those teachers don't teach you shit, man. They don't teach you nothing. <laughs> they, yeah. they they expect you to un- learn it on your own. So, so you how do, how do, how does that square with you know we have this mythology? I think it was you know it was back to to rock and you know definitely through hip hop of the like just self taught musician, right? Like you know the idea you know of going to school certainly to become a rapper. But even going to school to become a DJ or a, or a hip hop producer is even you know those are new concepts, right? Yeah, um, right. And so I, you know, and, and I think there's this mythology that you're just sort of born with it, or you developed it in the streets, or or you know whatever, right? Um, how do you, how well, do you square my, my, that with your your approach? That's obviously a lot more thoughtful well, and scholarly. My, well, my my thing is, um, I always say that the hip hop producer or the hip hop DJ knows more about music than anybody in the world because they're always searching for the illest sample or the the illest break. For sure. So that means that you're listening to music from Spain to to Moscow to Brazil to Chicago to you know wherever you're listening to a myriad of, of music. And what happens is that you start to understand the concept of the break, finding that part of the song that is the deepest cut, the most cavernous cut. So when you approach music that way, as far as sampling and DJing, but then you take that knowledge to actually playing instruments and writing for orchestras, you have a certain level of of compositional completeness that that a lot of musicians don't have Mm -hmm. a lot of really great musicians could play the hell out of their instrument but have no clue how to make great music um and that's because they don't necessarily study composition and arrangement they study diatonically how to stay in this scale and practice scale and all that stuff but they don't study music and arrangement sure like the hip-hop dj hip-hop producer does especially when we're making music with a sampler Mm -hmm. it's very limited we Mm got to do a lot with that so of course the hip-hop optic the hip-hop viewpoint has really given me uh a different perspective in making music say okay least. yeah um so go back for a second you i, I think i, I kind of glossed over something but are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. 
With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. But, you know, you're on this path to, to law and, and maybe politics, right? And then um, can, can you can you take me into that decision um, about, you know, switching gears to, to doing music as a profession? And, and like, did somebody help you with that or wh- what helped you well, with no, that no. decision? Basically, like, you got to realize that, uh, you know, in college, I realized that what I really wanted to do was be a musician. Moreover, not just being a musician, I wanted to be a film composer. Mm-hmm. So... I was still going to finish law school and do all that mm-hmm. because to me, the best thing for a, an artist to be is have an education. If you have an education, the worst thing you could do is be what you were, at, uh, what you went to school for. That's right. You know? Yeah. So, so my goal was always to do music. And in 2009 or 2007, uh, my real breakthrough came because while I was in law school, um, I was doing music, but at the same time, I wanted to be a film composer so bad that I started working on documentaries and started teaching myself how to edit film. And mm. you know, I figured that the more diverse, the, the more you diversify your your skill set, uh, the more likely you are to get certain opportunities that you that you would like. You know, so because I learned how to edit, and because I had created a in two thousand, I created a fake score called Venice Dawn, like a fake Italian score. Mm-hmm. And it went and it circulated and people were really digging it because it was like on some old Ennio Morricone type um, European psych breaks uh, yep. stuff. So so because I had created that in 2000 and because um, I was known in Los Angeles as this, uh, this kind of avant uh, editor, an opportunity came for me to not only score Black Dynamite, but edit the film. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you a story. About a friend I've had. He's a mean motherfucker and he's super bad. So grab onto your seats and hang on tight while I tell you a story about Black Dynamite. So that was my first real break, and then that hit the streets in 2009, and that is what served as my launch pad for everything I'm doing now. So, like, my goal was always doing music. Okay. That was always the goal. So, okay. as soon as something happened, boom, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's good, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, you talked about some of the, the film stuff, the cinematic stuff. Um, and, you know, you're obviously a, a big collaborator. As you say, you know, I know you're working with Ali. I know you guys just have this new project with Roy Ayers. Um, you know, Hyro Crew. T- tell me about your approach to collaboration. What What is it? What do you look for in the people that you want to collaborate with? And, and what do you think they get from you? Well, you know, my my whole career essentially started from me working by myself. So, you know, I taught myself how to play a myriad of instruments so that I didn't have to rely on people to do stuff. So mm-hmm. when you're working with that framework, you don't feel like working with other people because you created an arena for yourself. You created a an ecosystem where there's not really much people around, but there's people that you want to work with. Right. So, so what that did for me is it, it, it trained me to be a producer. Okay. So if I'm working with somebody, 
they have to know as much as I know about music. If they don't, then I don't, it's a waste of my time because I don't feel like I, I respect people too much. And at the same time, I don't want to argue with them about what I think is dope versus what I don't think is dope, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, working with Souls of Mischief, they're dope as hell. So like we're on that level, yeah. you know, working with Ali Shahid, you know, I, I grew up listening to, to tribe, you know what I'm saying? So like, you, you know, working with, from the, from the primos to, to, you know, Ghostface, all these, to the Rizzas, like all these people are people I looked up to. Sure. So, um, I, I can't, what, I, I don't want to work with somebody I ain't really feeling. So my thing is this. I really don't work with much people mm -hmm. because I don't need anybody to work. And when I do work with people, it's because we make each other better. Yeah. And and I and I'm always excited to do that. So can you tell me about that uh, process, right? So you you know you you look at a Wu Tang, you look at a, a you know Ali Shahid, right? And as you said, it starts with respect for for them and what they do, right? And so. Explain to me, how do you think about then, how do I make that better? How do, how do I make what they do even better? Well, you know, a lot of these people that I work with made music based on sampling. You know, they, they, they were limited to the sample. Right. Um, so when I'm working with sample-based producers or... I mean, and Ali's a little different because he, by this time, he was he already like when we started working together, he was already playing a bunch of instruments. Right. But but when I'm working with sample based producers, there's stuff in their head that they'd like to do, but like they're limited yeah. to what they can do based on whatever they find. But like when I work with them, I understand. I've studied them so much. Mm. You know, it's like kung fu. I studied their kung fu so much that I can say, yo, you know, what you really want is this type of tremolo on the strings and we could bring in these woodwinds and like we could have the nasty fuzz guitar here. Like I know all the elements cause it's all chemistry. Sure. So when we work together, like we make each other better cause they have ideas too. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, and, and it's, and it's all case by case basis. Everybody's different. You know? Well, it's interesting you describe it as studying because, you know, again, back to law school, right? I, you know, I remember somebody telling me when I was in college that what you learn in college is how to study. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think it is that it's that discipline, right? That, that sounds like you you bring to it. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. So um, so you know, you talked about Black Dynamite, and then I know you guys worked on the the Luke Cage uh, yeah soundtrack, which you know is I mean, it's, I go way back with Cheo. That's my man, and I oh, love cool. that show, and I love the music, like from the first episode you know hearing that theme song like you know i i knew there was something special going on yeah how did that change the game for you i know that was a big show right and so so what happens in your career after that comes out and people will start to learn that that was you well um what was interesting is that when people when that show came out, um, it, it was very surprising to get so many people, you know, from on the streets or fans or whatever, say, you know what? As soon as I heard that, I knew 
that you were involved. Mm-hmm. I hear your sound. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, shit, that's dope. Like, like people could recognize my signatures, you know? And same thing for Ali Shaheed, you know, they would yeah. hear us in the music. So that was special. And then, you know, working with the great team over there from on the ABC side and the Marvel side was great. And then, you know, moreover, just forming a brotherhood with Cheo. You know, we have so much love and respect for Cheo that it was like a beginning of a whole new, you know, friendship. So that, you know, getting the accolades, doing the work, all that stuff was great. But, the you know, the greatest part about that for, for, for me was just, you know, meeting Cheo and becoming a brother to that guy. For know? sure. For sure. Um, so, so, you know, I imagine with a project like that, like to some extent the phone starts ringing. You know what's interesting? Um, the phone did not start ringing. Okay. And and what's interesting is like, what I realized is that, you know, what we did on Luke Cage was, it was way different. And people are scared. When you're doing dope stuff, yeah. they know it's dope. But they know it's dope because people are telling them it's dope. Sure. And then when they ask you to do their stuff, they're asking you to do whack ass shit. So like, I, I say this all to say it's you know our phone was ringing, but like our phone was ringing from people that wanted regular ass soundtrack right. stuff, and yeah. we don't do that. So you know we'd get in the room, and they would talk about how much they love our music when we did and all that stuff. But at the end of the day. It seemed like a good amount of those producers just kind of wanted this the credit mm-hmm. that we had, mm-hmm. you know, but they yeah. didn't really want us to do the dope shit. So, like, it's it's interesting because right now, like right now, it you know, is when it's hitting super hard for us, mm. even during this COVID time. I mean, the amount of dope stuff that we are working on right now, that can't I can't really say too much, but okay. the amount of dope stuff we're working on right now. It's directly related from everything to Luke Cage up to now. But just because you're doing dope stuff doesn't mean that people are going to like, yo, I need to work with this person. Because most people are scared to take the risks of making that kind of music as much as they love it or think they love it. So how do you, um, I mean, that's interesting, right? Because you get calls for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, especially when you've worked, you know, as hard as 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 you work to get to get somewhere, uh, you know, it feels good to get those calls, right? And of and there's a temptation, and and I think we've seen careers, you know, get derailed by um, just saying yes to the wrong things. Yes, um, exactly. So how, how do you? So what what goes on with you? Like what's What's your process for, you know, deciding what to say yes to and, and you know, kind of handling those those emotions that come up along the way? I, I always I, I love saying no so that I can say yes to the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important asset you have is your time and you got to spend your time very well. If you get inundated with doing things that don't make you happy, then that means you have you've turned your passion into a corporate job that you hate. Yeah. You know, you always want to you always want to stay true to your passion um, and treat your passion right because it's your time. It's time that you're not spending with your family, not spending with your friends, For sure. and not making and, and not making yourself better as an artist. So, you know, if if I'm looking at something, first and foremost, is it dope? 
Secondly, how much is it paying? Mm -hmm. um, so if something's really dope, but it's not paying that much, there are times where I just have to do it because I need to be part of that because it's just part of, it's part of my ethos. Like, yo, that's right. I love what y'all doing. And it's like, I got to support that. It's a hip hop in me, you know? Um, but then there's times where a project might not seem that cool, but it pays a lot of money, right? As far as film and composing. So yeah. the question is, which one of those jobs do I take so that I could afford to do all the cool shit? So mm -hmm. it's a balance. And you know how much work you have at the time. Um, and, you know, it's just looking at, it's a circumstance. Do I have enough time to do this now? Yes, no, okay, I can't do it, you know? So have there been times when you've, when you've, uh, you know, you've, you haven't found that right balance. You said yes to things that maybe, you know, you look back that you, you wish you hadn't. Never, never. Because I'm, I'm very, I'm very tuned into my time mm. because there's nothing more important than my own projects. So my, my own projects take high priority over everything I do. Mm -hmm. So if anything is getting, getting in the way of me being Adrian Young, it's a no. Like, it's a no. And, um, you know, with all my education and everything I've been in and, you know, from learning how to master the studio and play all these instruments, it's all based on me having a daily schedule and timeline. So I never just impetuous, impetuously say yes or no to something. It's always very well thought out. I've never, I've been in a position where I had, where I, you know, I've been overworked, quote, but I'm, sure. I overwork myself every day. That's my life. Right. So I know where the point is where it's like, yo, I can't really do that. You know, but it said I've never, I've never been in that position. That's great. I think that's, you know, that's amazing to, to cultivate that discipline. Um, oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, you were talking about kind of the versatility of, of the cinematic stuff to the hip hop to, you know, what you're doing in jazz and soul. Um, it, help me understand why, why it's better to be versatile than to, to be, you know, known for the one thing. Well, it all depends on the stage in your career. So somebody said to me, uh, would you ever get mad if somebody pigeonholes you into being just a hip hop composer or, a com or a, I mean, hip hop producer or just a composer? I'm like, nah, dude, you know, whatever, wh whatever I want it, like people could use whatever filter they want. I know what I'm doing, you know? Sure. So, I mean, uh, you know, when, when, it, it, from a macro sense, it just, my my whole thing in life is just I want to have a suite of everlasting music. I want to have a legacy and I want to like make my family proud, you know. I just want to do I want to do every things I believe in. I want to live life doing things I believe in and and I live life as if um I understand the notion of mortality, mm. you know. And we're only here for so long, so I want to maximize that and continue to self-invest and uh, make myself the best version of myself that I can, and always take chances and and le continually level up, level up, level up. You know, this is what you do so that 
when you're gone, your family will be able to live better and all that, you know? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I just, I work constantly, constantly, constantly. I wake up, I get into my studio between 5.30 and 6 every morning, you know, and I leave in the evening. So, like, I'm, I'm a crazy workaholic, but I'm a crazy workaholic because I love what I do. And that's why I would never let my job become poisoned mm -hmm. by working with an artist that I don't feel. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do that. Uh, there's, I, I, there's many opportunities where I could be sure. working with a big artist here or there and, and, and have a lot more money in my pocket, but I just can't deal with being in the studio for a couple months with making music with somebody that it's not even that I don't like them. Mm -hmm. It's just like, if I'm working with an artist and I know that they know they're making whack shit, but they're happy about it. Like I can't be part of that. Because then I, I then that stays with me the rest of my life. I can't do it. If you're enjoying that one, uh, go back in the Rebel Radio archives. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing Ali Shahid Muhammad, one of Adrian's um, uh, main collaborators. Ali was the DJ and producer of A Tribe Called Quest, among many other things. And uh, we were live on stage together at the LA Times Festival of Books. And he shared some incredible stories about his journey. So I think you'll like that one too. So when you, when you write your own stuff, are you, are you writing with somebody in mind? Or, or I mean, does that... if I'm working, if, if I'm working with a black thought, I'm writing for black thought. If I'm working just by myself, making instrumental music, I'm working I'm, I'm making my own statement. It's all about if I'm producing somebody, mm -hmm. it's understanding who they are and trying to pull the best out of them. So everything is on a case by case basis. Okay. Um, so I've I've seen you talk about the the golden era of sound. I think it's that that sixty eight seventy three. Um, tell me about that a little bit and and how you know. I'm curious, sort of, why that era and you know what it is about that and and how you. Uh, how you think about bringing the impact of that era into today? Um, the golden era sounds to me, yes, it's 68 to 73. And it's for a myriad of reasons. Um, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent analog guy, right? So uh, there's, there's no computers in my studio. It's all about that analog sound. And at that time, equipment was vacuum tube based. Mm -hmm. It was all discrete class A components, all hardware, um, and everything recorded to tape, um, mixed down to tape, um, pressed on wax. Like music sounded so good. And at the same time, music was very raw because the artist was responding to the civil unrest of the times as well. You know, so you have you have artists being inspired to write because their brother just died in Vietnam. You know, you got you got artists inspired to write because black people aren't getting a say in the world. We're be, we're disenfranchised, you know. You have artists writing about the notion of of of, of a psychedelic life and mm -hmm. free life. You know, there's so many things that people are putting into their music, and it's a, and it's a, and it's a time and it's a time like no other. So the way that it was recorded and the things that they had to say all came together in such a way that to me is really the bedrock of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Like most of the illest hip hop samples come from that time frame anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it's it's a, it's a transfer from jazz into funk and soul. Like it's it's there's so much going on in that time frame. Yeah. So so talk to me about how you bring that into the present. Is you know the the circumstances of the world that we live in that you just described. Obviously, some of that still exists, and some of it exists in different ways, and some of it's changed, right? And so what what is it to you about bringing bringing the past into the present in the way that you do it? Well, you know, because I'm an analog guy, because I play real instruments, I do it because I'm organic. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you go to a really fine restaurant that serves organic food that doesn't need much seasoning, you taste it and you're like, damn, that's good. But it's really because it's, it's just natural, right? There's not a lot that's processed. And that's that's a big part of what I do. I create in a way that's not processed, create, uh, uh, create in a way that's just very natural. Yeah. And what's natural about this is the notion of capturing human error. You know, um, that's what our heart beats to. That's what we feel. So I love my mistakes. I love I love capturing it, all those mistakes on wax. And I like forcing it on people saying, no, this is me. This is me naked. This is my vulnerability. Nowadays, everything's processed mm-hmm. and it's different. And um, I just don't vibe with that kind of music. So I'll always be doing this. And that's what hip hop comes from. Hip hop comes from sampling this kind of music, you know, and I'm a hip hop dude. So that's what it is. Sure. Sure. Um, talk to me about the Angela Munoz project. Yes. Uh, so Angela Munoz is a girl I started working with a few years ago when she was 15 and still in high school. Mm. And she had a, she has a, just a really beautiful voice. And um, when I saw her, I always wanted to work with a young vocalist. I always wanted to, you know, as a, I'm 42, so, uh, no, am I 42 or 41? I think I'm 41. No, I'm 41. I don't need, honestly, I think I'm 41. Yeah, 41. I'm 41. I mean, that, that's the kind of um, year we're having, right? Yeah, right, right. So I was wanting to work with somebody that was like a teenager, doing, but but doing it with my sound, uh, because everybody hears music differently. Like if there's different filters. If you if I if I make a if I make a an album right now with a 90 year old dude, they'll hear it. Um, with a filter that says you're listening to a 90 year old's album. If I make right. an album with a 13-year-old, they'll hear it with the, the, the filter that you're making it for, you know, you're listening to a 13-year-old's album. So I wanted to make a younger person's album just to see what it was like for them to kind of hear music through a filter that is synonymous with their age, you know? Mm-hmm. And plus, besides that, Angela Munoz, she's just, she's just really dope and very talented, and she's a really good writer. So it's just, I was looking for her for years and i found her and she was looking for me for years and she found me so you know it is what it is and yeah and it's out now and people are loving it yeah yeah it's a great record i've been i've been playing it all week um thank you so so i know you have that you have the roy ayers project that just came out as well um yeah what uh i know you said you have some things next that you can't tell us about what 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 can you tell us about that you're looking forward to um next month we're coming out with a marcos valley album for Jazz is Dead 003. Oh. Um, and we also have upcoming albums with Brian Jackson, Gary Bartz, Joel Donato, uh, Doug Karn, Gene Karn, Lonnie Liston-Smith, 
um, there's so many that we have on the Jazz Dev. And also, wow. I'm doing I'm doing an album I haven't officially announced yet, but it's like my political album. It's uh, it's an album whereby if like James Baldwin hooked up with Marvin Gaye to make an album produced by David Axelrod, it's like a psychedelic political album. Wow. So I'm finishing that up right now. Me and Ali are are uh, still working on Midnight Hour stuff mm -hmm. and. Also, I have an album with Lauren Odin. He's someone on my label on Linear Labs, and he, that's coming out in a few months. And it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm just working everything. Sounds like, sounds like. Well, yeah. you mentioned the politics, right? And, and you know, definitely when I think, think back to that golden era that you talk about, right? Politics was infused, you know, was front and center with Absolutely. a lot of music, um, yeah. which I feel like, you know, in many ways has been missing today. Um, and, you know, I'm... You know, the people I talk to, it feels like that's about to change. Like, it feels like, you know, everything that's happening in our world right now, that that's getting, that's starting to impact the music that's coming out. I wonder, you know, I wonder if you're seeing that, if you have, you know, do you, do you have a, um, do you have a hope for what you would like to see come out of this cultural moment that we're in? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, my my hope is coming true and it's just that people are listening. Uh, we've, people of color, people of color have been disenfranchised uh, since the beginning of America. If you really understand American history, you'll sure. see that it's, it's built on a system of white imperialism, you know? And, um, and there's just the greed notion that has been embedded into government to protect the elite yeah. in a way that disenfranchises women, disenfranchised American Indians, disenfranchised even Italians to blacks to sure. you know Irish. Like it's like so much, you know, and 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 the seeds that were planted centuries ago still sprout now. You know, and people are finally starting to realize it. So I'm very happy about this moment. Um, and I want to just, I, I want to encourage and inspire as many people to continue to be a catalyst for this movement, mm -hmm. uh, galvanize and, and, and help change history because we still feel the vestige of, of yesterday. We still feel the vestige of racism, even with people that don't even realize they're being racist. You sure. know, I mean, just the concept of, now Walmart is not locking up black hair products like, you know, but they would have never realized as much as racist. Now they're like, oh, shit, that maybe is kind of racist. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, so that's crazy. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I, I know you, you have your space, the Art Form Studio. Um, yeah. And, you know, Tell me about that, the, you know, the importance of bringing people together into a physical space and how are you, um, you know, how are you adjusting to that right now when that's when we when we can't all be together? Um, well, it's weird because the Art Form Studio is a it's a record store and salon, you know, and um, it's the, the record store is very boutique. -y. It's it's an expansion and duplication of my own record collection. So. Mm -hmm. It's great to always share my music and my sound with people. And right now we're open, but but it's limited. You right. know, we don't let too many people in. Of course. But it's great to be able to feed people really good music. 
dope ass records and stuff and it's dope to have a record store where it sells your own records too you know so um sure. it, it feels great to have it it's i'm happy people are coming in and you know like it's it's, it's another passion of mine as a dj yeah and collector so i wonder you know all of a sudden in, in march and april the whole world learned to work remote um yeah which you know i think for some people you know was a huge change and and you know what i heard some people were pleasantly surprised and some people you know their struggle with it whatever so uh you know how 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 has that impacted you i mean as you said you're an analog guy and and um you know i imagine this the space the physical environment is is probably important for what you do i don't i don't really work with that many people so I'm by myself all the time anyway. Yeah. You know, in my studio. So uh the only thing it really affected for me is that a lot of jobs that we were supposed to do in film and television got put on hold. Of course. You know, so that just gave me more time to do my own thing. And I still got bills to pay, so I still need to be able to make money doing that, you know. So sure. you know, every like the, the great thing about right now is everybody's broke. So it's it's okay to be broke. And um I don't feel pressure of not necessarily bringing in a lot of revenue because right. it ain't my fault mm -hmm. it's what it is you know yeah. I'm cool with it it's like whatever it's just like the one time in our life where we could kind of be stress-free interesting that's a great perspective yeah. all right well yeah. uh i appreciate all that man um, um, before i let you go i yeah. got a quick lightning round that uh that I'll, i want to take you through so what what's your favorite city to travel to I would say Tokyo. Mm, I love it there. Who's your favorite DJ? I'd have to say myself because I love the shit I play. Nice. <laughs> so it is, be honest, you know? No, that's great, man. Yeah. Might as well love, love what you do. Uh, what's the last great book you read? Um, A People's History. What movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Uh, well, because when you're a kid and you have a VHS or a beta yeah. beta machine, you, you watch it over and over. So I'll probably say uh, uh, Beat Street. Oh, Beat Street! Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Love that. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow morning having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Um, be a better player on any one of my instruments. Doesn't matter. I mean, uh, every day I work on just trying to be better at stuff. So you know, it's just one. It's any one. I don't even care which one. Just be better. Nice. Last question: If I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Something that I do say over and over to people that work for me is that, uh, did you check this shit before you sent it to me? <laughs> you hear from me? Did you check this before you sent it to me? Yeah, I can see you saying that. Yeah, I can see that. So nice. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate you. Um, how, how should everybody find you online? Oh, they could find me um, on Instagram or Twitter, uh, just at Adrian Young with the E at the end of Young. 
cool cool dope man um this is great thanks thank you brother all right bro right on see ya yeah that was adrian young on rebel radio i hope you enjoyed it i know i did make sure you leave us a comment you can hit us on twitter or facebook at rebel radio net you can uh, leave a review if you want to and most importantly come back next week for more rebel radio peace